We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With that, Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? I've been chugging this coffee all day in preparation. Let's do it. All right. So fill in the blank. Blank needs to happen next season to validate Riley Leonard transferring to Notre Dame. A playoff appearance needs to happen next season in order to validate Notre Dame getting Riley Leonard at starting quarterback. Um, I, I think that is, you know, with the expansion um and, and given you know what is coming back next season the additions at the wide receiver your defense is probably going to be you know uh, hopefully just as good um I, I think that 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 you go out and make this move and it is a playoff or bust type situation in my opinion i completely agree that that is what this move is about that is what the other moves that they've made already that we've talked about are about it is about being a playoff team next year like and like you look at where marcus freeman is as a head coach disappointing first season you know i this season i think at least to an extent has to be viewed as disappointing because of all of the expectations that came with going out and getting an experienced quarterback like sam hartman they you know they end up in the Sun Bowl, still in a bowl game. You know, there is still a, at least a little bit of a hint of a silver lining. They've got a chance to win 10 games this season, but that would be a really nice springboard toward next year. If they can get that 10, and then with all these additions that they're making, starting with this, going out and getting another really experienced quarterback and a guy who can play the position, being in the playoff is, is where it is, especially now that they're expanding to 12. I, I think that that has to be a, a realistic expectation for this team year in and year out going forward with the playoff expanding to 12. And if they are not in the playoff next year with Riley Leonard and, and everything else, I think that it would be a major disappointment. So adding Riley Leonard says we plan on being in the playoffs next year, and that's what would validate this move. So. On a scale of 1 to 10, and Joe brought this up in an earlier chat question, do you think we lose either Minchie or Angeli is what 
Joe said. And my question is, scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Riley Leonard, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, and C.J. Carr are all going to be in training mm-hmm. camp with the Irish next August? Scale of 1 to 10. I put this as a, a 4 out of 10. So I only think that there's about a 40% chance that this happens. Um, I think Menchie are definitely is definitely there. I think Carr is definitely there. I think Leonard is definitely there. I think that uh, the real question mark is Steve Angeli um, and, and what he what he deems to be um, of priority, right? Like, does he go out and basically do the, the Drew Pine and, and say, hey, you know, I, I think that I could be a starting quarterback at maybe a, a, a smaller, you know, division one around the country. I don't know exactly where that's at. Um, or does he stick it out and continue to develop and earn his degree? Um, but I don't think that – and if they, if, they, if they run an offense how I think they're going to, I just don't think Angeli really fits into it schematically um, as well. And I, I would say in simplest terms, I think he's more of a Sam Hartman quarterback than he is a Riley Leonard quarterback. And if, if the offense is going to be changed around Riley Leonard and then the incoming of, you know, Menchie and um, C.J. Carr and Deuce Knight, those seem like more guys who are realistic to run – kind of a dual threat type of offense. I just don't know how much Steve Angeli fits into that dual threat option. And so I think he's the guy who's who's who 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 would be the guy to leave essentially. So uh, I'm going to put it at a 4 out of 10. You're putting it at a 4. I'm giving it a 2 and a half. And again, this is we're, we're talking about the confidence that all four of those guys, Leonard Angeli, Minchie and Carr, that all four will be in training camp with Notre Dame next August. I put it at a two and a half. I think Henry agrees with me, quite frankly. But, you know, when we were leaving the blue gold game last spring, one of the other guys in the beat said, well, that's the last time we're going to see those three quarterbacks together again. And of course, he was talking about Hartman, Buckner and Angeli. And it's funny because like it hadn't really had like had it crossed my mind that somebody could transfer, I guess. But I really hadn't even considered it. That deeply because the whole spring, you know, everyone was just saying the and they were saying the right things. Tyler Buckner and the coaches, everyone, it was just, you know, like the right talk, saying all the right things about competition and everything else. And then before you knew it, boom, Tyler Buckner was gone, you know, and the plan was supposed to be you get Hartman for a year. Then Tyler Buckner was going to, you know, most likely be the starting quarterback this coming up. Year. So nothing surprises me anymore in the transfer portal transfer portal world. At the end of the day, guys want to play. You know, I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that Drew Pine was going to leave when he did, but he did. You know, so I will be pleasantly surprised if all of them are back next year. But I just just because of you know, especially how things happened last year. And I realize everyone's a little bit different and kind of, you know, the mentality that they have is a little bit different, but I would be shocked at the end of spring if we don't see some more movement. You know, I just, that, that's just kind of the world that we live in. And, you know, between this and, and going back to what we were just talking about, Tom says, I just don't know how to forecast wins and losses for 2024 because of the huge portal turnover on every team. We just have to be patient to see what happens after the third or fourth week next year. And I mean, that's that's absolutely true as well. I mean, just like look at Colorado and all the, you know, what everyone was saying about Colorado. And, you know, they had one win 
last year, and they completely overhauled their roster. And I think most people thought, you know, probably would have been shocked if they even got to two wins. They got to four. Is that a successful season? Well, probably in in Prime's mind, you know, there's some success. But I mean, again, like, how did you? Ha how could anyone have any idea what to expect out of Colorado with the complete overhaul of that roster that they did? And it's going to be, you know, you're not going to see teams make as as big an overhaul as he did, but with thousands of guys in the portal, I mean, it's a it's a fair point. It's hard to figure out you know, from going from one season to the next, just what it's going to look like. Like, how are you even going to pick bowl games based on all these portals and opt-outs and everything else that are going on? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. And there's always joy in giving to our friends and family. But we also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. And the holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving... Give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. Oh, I know what I was going to get at. Sorry. I think when you, and you start talking about Colorado, I, I think the number one thing is you know, when you when you have a lot of turnover in the transfer portal, you introduce a new coaching staff, you introduce new players, you introduce new schemes. You don't know how any of that's all going to look until there's film out there. And so like 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 this was saying and, and, and like you were saying, kind of have to wait for the dust to settle in the first couple of weeks, because I don't think it's truly indicative of who these teams are, because, again, everyone not only are those players and, and everything getting used to each other, but the rest of the country is getting used to them. Right. Because. Again, you don't know what the players are going to look like. You don't know what that scheme is going to look like. And so until there's a couple games of film, 
that's when it becomes a little bit easier. So, and so I do agree. I think it, you, you kind of wait to see, you know, outside of the first couple of weeks, how things are going to settle. Yep, for sure. So this year's Notre Dame scholarship receivers room, this is what it looked like coming into the season. Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Thomas, Dion Colsey, Matt Salerno, Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, Rico Flores, and an injured K.K. Smith. As of now, next year's wide receivers room will be Bo Collins, Chris Mitchell, Jaden Thomas, Dion Colsey, Jaden Greathouse, Jordan Faison, Logan Saldata, Cam Williams, and Micah Gilbert. What's your confidence in this group compared to, la- to last year's group? Like, which which group do you have more confidence in? Like, you if know, you're just like, think about how you felt maybe kind of going into the season. Try to, if you can, take out what ended up happening, I guess. Yeah, which, so one you, which one are you more confident in? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm more confident in next year's group. And that's not just optimism. I'll tell you why. You know, Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, those guys cancel each other out because they're both coming back, right? And 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 then you would hope that they would be better because some some injuries limited um, this year. Uh, Jaden Greathouse cancels out with Jaden Greathouse, but you would expect in year two that he would be better than he was in year one. Um, I, I think that, you know, you can have similar hype and, and, and anticipation with Cam Williams like you did with Rico Flores. Obviously, Rico Flores had game experience so you're losing out um on that and i think jordan Faison kind of becomes the new chris tyree um and then chris mitchell is the chris tyree that we thought we were going to get last season he is the proven production type of player that chris tyree was a, you know a fast slot guy i think that that i'm more confident about this year because chris mitchell is proven you know we 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 thought we had an idea of what chris tyree could be but Chris Tyree hadn't proven anything yet. Chris Mitchell has proven it, and he's played. And Tobias Merriweather had neither. Right, and he's potentially playing. You know, you could say he played on a worse team as well. And so, if you're introduced to a better quarterback, a better system, etc., you would hope that Chris Mitchell would get better. So that's where I am on that. And then in terms of Collins, I think Collins is a proven Tobias Merriweather at the end of the day. And so you have two guys who are really proven, and now you're bringing back guys who are you know have experience that were injured. You have Jane Greathouse who benefited from getting a lot of playing time early due to injuries um, and, and et cetera. And so I feel like the, the number one thing that gives me more confidence about next season is we, we had anticipatory thoughts of who we thought, you know, uh, Tobias Merriweather would be, who we thought Chris Tyree would be. But at the end of the day, I feel like Collins is who we want Tobias to be. And Mitchell is who we thought Tyree was going to be. And so it, you introduce potentially a better quarterback um, a better team, a better offensive line. I think that would give you more confidence at the end of the day. Yeah, if I'm going to make a pro analogy, and I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying, you're basically trading Tyree, Tobias, Braylon James, Rico Flores for Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell, and then you went out and signed some undrafted free agent, you know, in Jordan Faison, and then you draft three stud rookies in Saldata, Williams, and Gilbert, all of them four-star guys so you are like Collins and Mitchell combined for 102 receptions in over 1600 yards and 10 touchdowns the four guys you gave up in this hypothetical analogous 
trade or metaphorical trade. They've got high upside, but they combine for just 68 catches and a little over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. So you're you're trading future upside for proven track records. And again, going back to kind of the theme of what we've talked about throughout this show by some of these, but by by getting Riley Leonard and these receivers, you're trading future upside for right now. And you're hoping also, like one of the sort of X factors in this whole thing is you also got rid of the position coach and you're bringing in a new position coach and you're, you're, you're banking that that makes a big impact as well. So it stinks that you had to lose some young talent, but they lost a guy going into year three that had 15 career catches in his first two years, you know, and they, again, made moves to win now. And I'm much more confident as well in this 24 group that they're going to have next year. But at the same time, they still do have to go out and produce. We, we, right. we kind of got to see it now. And that's what we've been waiting for for a couple of years. Now we just get to talk about it for six more months. <laughs> Nine more months. <laughs> <laughs> so Zeke Carell announced that he's going to transfer to North Carolina State. And Braylon James is going to TCU. Speaking of the transfers, what do you think about these moves? You know, I never understood Zeke Carell transferring. And, and I only say that because... He's, he's a first-year grad student, and so I guess his thought process would be, okay, I finished my time at Notre Dame. I have my degree. It's time to potentially move on as a grad transfer, and I guess I don't know what he's looking to fulfill because I feel like at Notre Dame he had a better chance of maybe proving who he is or getting a better NFL grade because Notre Dame is known for really good offensive linemen, and so I felt like if that's the goal that – he had a better chance at Notre Dame. And to me, the only thing that could potentially, you know, warrant a transfer is, is, is he nervous about what is coming behind him? Right. Has he, has he hit his ceiling in terms of talent wise? And was he a guy out there because of hard work, knowing, you know, where he was supposed to be and how to navigate the rest of his offensive linemen, but has it gotten to the point in practice or, you know, did the coaches have a conversation with him potentially of, hey, you know, this guy might be moving ahead of you, you know, in, in coming year, right. years, Some of those postseason conversations, you know, like was there a mutual agreement potentially that, hey, it might be best to move on, that kind and of And I thing. think that is the, the honest conversation that he must have had because, again, I don't feel like you're in a better chance or better position at NC State compared to Notre Dame. And so I feel like the move was strategically done because he was going to get passed up and likely wasn't going to be a starter next year. Braylon James, hard to really comment about his because we didn't really get to see him play, but he's yeah. going to TCU. So it makes me feel like he wants to get back home because he going is from home. Texas. Yep. So yep. that would be, you know, on the outside uh, observations on both of those guys, one would be better chance to play. Um, and then the other one would be, again, going closer to home. Yeah. I mean, NC State had a big exodus of their own when the portal opened last week. They lost 15 guys on the first day. And Carell's going to go in. And like you said, he's going to have a chance to to keep playing. And, and that's what you like. You do wonder, like, how much those those private conversations, the, the, the postseason conversation, like how much that came into play. And TD4ND was was saying something about the offensive line coach and Look, I think that next year, 
is going to be just as important for Joe Rudolph as this year was for Al Washington. Like, there were not major issues with this offensive line. They were good at times, but just like the quarterback and the team as a whole, how did they stack up against the better competition? That's where they kind of left some, you know, some things to be desired. I think there is definitely like like Joe wrote Joe Rudolph, especially because he is going to have a completely, you know, revamped, overhauled offensive line next year. There's going to be a lot for Joe Rudolph to show. And I think it's going to be, like I said, just as important for him as uh as this season was for Al Washington, because Al Washington really, really, uh really showed himself this year. With, with the way that defensive line developed over the course of the season. I think people feel, or at least they should feel, a lot differently about him than they were probably feeling coming into the season. Yeah. Uh, in terms of offense, huge years for Jared Parker and Joe Rudolph. I think the, the a lot will say, you know, depending on their success will be, and I know that's easy to say, but a lot of this team's success I think is predicated around what those two can accomplish on offense. So former Notre Dame soccer player Brandon Aubrey is now the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. He kicked Ooh. field goals of 59 and 60 yards Sunday night against the Eagles to become the first kicker in NFL history to kick two field goals of 59-plus yards in the same game. And now, I've seen some rumblings about people like, why, why didn't Brandon Aubrey ever kick <laughs> when he was with the Notre Dame football team? Well, it's interesting, Jess, because... Just before this show started, Brandon Aubrey was on the Dan Patrick show. Yes, he was. Did you see this clip? Uh, I caught bits and pieces of it. I think I know so, what you're referencing. So here is Dan Patrick asking Brandon Aubrey, the former Notre Dame soccer player, current Dallas Cowboys kicker, that very question. Went to Notre Dame. Did you think about kicking for the football team? No, not once. Ever crossed my mind. So what do you think about all this, Jess? <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's like very Jerry Jones to find the kicker off the streets that no one's heard of and just be completely willing to roll the dice on him. Um, and so I, I think that's very cool, honestly, first of all, for the Cowboys. But, I mean, it's so hindsight and easy to say, like, oh, why wasn't he kicking at Notre Dame? The man was on a full scholarship on a national championship program at Notre Dame and playing men's soccer. Like, it's not like the football team just walks over to soccer practice and has open tryouts for all these kickers and for says, every hey. soccer player. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so honestly, you know, he got to the, like this guy also made it into the MLS. Right. And so the, the dream or thought was never about football. It was his own dream and, and, and soccer. And so once that dream kind of finally came to an end, I think he wanted to find a way to continue his career as a professional athlete. And if you go back and listen to the Dan Patrick clip, his, I think, girlfriend or wife is the one who was like, hey, yeah. why don't you give kicking a try if you, so if you don't? <laughs> here's the thing with Brandon Aubrey. He's from Plano, Texas, which is right, you know, near Dallas. He didn't play high school football. He was not a kicker in high school. He was just a soccer player. He played soccer at Notre Dame from 2013 to 2017. He had never played football. So, he finishes Notre Dame. He's drafted by the MLS. He plays for a couple years, and then he gets cut, and he's got a Notre Dame degree. He decides he's going to be a software engineer. So one day, 
in 2019, him and his wife are sitting on the couch watching an NFL game and a kicker misses a field goal. And his wife is like, you could do that. And so the next thing you know, he starts working with this former Mississippi State kicker. And like he literally was doing this for two or three years, working with this, you know, kicker specialist. This is not even being on a football team. And then he tries out for the USFL. He does pretty well with the Birmingham Stallions for a couple of years, and he turns that into an NFL career. So there's just, there's no possible way that Brian Kelly or anyone else could have had any inkling because Brandon Aubrey didn't even have any inkling that he could turn into what he is right now. Well, that, and it's just, again, I, I see more people being like, oh, like you, you have to go over there and look around. and it, But it's just like they're already recruiting field goal kickers as is. And so it's like if you're recruiting and developing guys as is, what what thought process would you be like, hey, let's walk over to the soccer field and find guys that have never kicked before. You don't just find a kicker. Like you said, it took him two, three years of practice uh, and, and, you know, under tutelage of someone else. He began this process of becoming a kicker in 2019. So it's four years. And again, he had not been a football kicker before then. It, It took him two years, I think, like two and a half years to get the tryout with the USFL and then, you know, kicked for a couple years with the USFL and then went to training camp with the Cowboys this year and, and kept a roster spot. So like deep, but D rock Irish is saying, keep looking from within. The problem with that D rock is Brandon Aubrey would not have been equipped to become that when he was at Notre Dame because he had never been a football kicker before. Like he would have been like for him, it probably would have taken him, you know, like if he started it as a freshman, it would have taken him until his senior year until he was actually ready to go out and kick most likely. Like he was a project and he spent all of his own time getting to the point that he is right now. So, you know, yeah, you probably could have gone out and held tryouts with a soccer team or something like that. But even Brandon Aubrey, you know, like I said, he didn't even know back then that he was going to turn into what he's turned into. Well, so. and, and look at the roster back when he was here. He was here from 2013 to 2016. I'm pretty sure that's the Brenza and like Yoon era. Like they didn't have issues kicking the ball. It wasn't. Yeah. Those weren't issues. And so, again, I, I don't think that you just willy nilly go out and be like, hmm, let's see uh, who could potentially be the fourth string kicker for us today. You know, like I don't it's just I don't think it's a thought that ever came to mind. I don't either. So Brandon Aubrey has made all 30 of his field goal attempts this season. And there was actually an article that I saw today from Lawrence Tynes, who Michael Hahn is probably familiar with, former New York Giants kicker, who says he thinks it would be good for Aubrey if he missed a field goal in the regular season before the playoffs. Do you buy or sell that? I sell that. There's no reason to miss. He's missed extra points. I don't think that it's like this, oh, like – you need to handle the adversity of missing or whatever, or potentially like, again, like I don't, I don't think the man feels pressure. He hit like basically two sixty yarders that looked like they were going to be good from 70. Like they, and they, they were right down the middle. The guy has a boot on him. And I say that if he misses now, it actually gets him second, you know, kind of second guessing more. Right. He's in and his so, head even more. Yeah. He's in yeah. his head. I I'm more so leaning towards just stay hot as, as humanly possible because he's missed the extra points before, right? And and as long as he keeps making the field goals, that's really all I care about. 
So I, I'm just going to sell this because it, to me, like any hitter, you just got to stay hot for as long as possible. And when you get in a slump, you get in a slump and you got that's you deal with slumps when you're in a slump. You don't prepare for a slump uh, beforehand. Again, you just stay hot as long as you can. Yeah, this is a little bit like, you know, like when the March Madness is approaching and you've got an undefeated team going in and people start saying, well, they'd be better off if they lost a game before the tournament, you know, get it out of your system and and that kind of thing. I do think, though, I get what you're saying. He's missed some extra points. He's missed actually, what is it, four extra points that I think that he's missed this season, which, you know, is crazy considering he's out there banging 60-yard field goals and he's missing extra points. But, you know, there's, I, do you think there's something to, like, the longer a streak like this lasts, you know, the more momentum that story gains and people start talking about it. So and more it becomes pressure. More, becomes more of a talking. But, yeah, so, like, naturally the pressure builds. Like, I know you're not old enough to remember this, but back in 98, Gary Anderson was the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings, didn't miss a field goal all season. They get to the NFC Championship game. The game is on the line. Guess what happens? Miss Misses it. a game-winning field goal. The Falcons go to the Super Bowl instead of the Vikings. So, like, I don't know. Like, the fact that he's missed some extra points, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Like, he has actually missed. He just hasn't missed the field goals. But, like, it, it, it just feels to me like if you were to miss – then it doesn't become this pressure point once the postseason gets here. I can see it. Yeah, like I see both sides of the conversation, but I'm sure that everyone in the in, in Aubrey himself isn't really thinking about the streak. He's just thinking about I need to make this field goal for my team, you know, in this moment type situation. Sure. Pat McAfee announced last week that he'll return to ESPN's college game day next year. He's acknowledged reading social media criticisms and hearing his haters. Here's a quote from him. Quote, I'm back. I don't love it. I don't love that my life is just going to continue to have people telling me to run into oncoming traffic, swallow a barrel, end quote. So what do you think, Jess? So when I first read it, he said, I'm back and I don't love it. I thought he was saying, I don't love it in reference to being back, but really it's in reference to all the fans and how he's treated you know, on social media. And I think, unfortunately, that's the era and, and the time that we live in is is everyone's got a stage and everyone thinks that their voice needs to be heard and that it's the most important, you know, thing to be heard. And quite honestly, if I'm Pat McAfee, throw on the blinders, bro. Like, don't, don't read the social media yeah. stuff. Like, I get it. It's part of your job to kind of be on social media, but I still think there's ways you can navigate it without reading it, you know, you do a good job. Your coworkers and your boss know you do a good job. And I would say that majority of the world appreciates him and loves him for what he does on that show. I mean, I do, I think he's been a great, you know, addition and, and brings a different perspective and just, the, just the whole, the, the way the dynamic, and to me, he's like a young Lee Corso that is bringing energy back into this show. And so I think you have to, if you're Pat McAfee, you need to look at all the benefits and just tune out and block all the haters. And it's like, dude, you were a professional athlete. You were a kicker. Like it, it, right. these things have existed in your life for as, as long as probably, probably, you You've know, never you been criticized before. It does seem weird, you know, that like he's, he's so attuned to all this criticism, but you know, like K-Max says, 
they'll hate watch anyway. And that's right. They'll that's, watch just so they can send off some stupid tweet. <laughs> yeah. And because Pat McAfee is to college game day, what Notre Dame is to college football. You know, he's polarizing. Polarization sells. 45% tune in to see Notre Dame win. 45% tune in to see him lose. And the other 10% live in Alaska. You know? So it's the same with Pat McAfee. He's polarizing. But it sells. You know, it's the same reason that, you know, the guy whose last name starts with cow still has a job because he's polarizing as well, you know, love him like Mark May. Do you remember Mark May? Like, are you? Oh yeah, I remember, remember the whole May. Mark May phenomenon. I mean, he was polarizing too, but people watched. Lee Corso was polarizing when he was at his peak. You know, um, ESPN just released today. It's funny, like that we were going to talk about this, and again, like within an hour before the show started, ESPN released their viewership numbers. For the season, guess what? They had their second most watched season in 12 years. So, like, I'm not saying they're all tuning in for for McAfee, but people are watching the show more now. You know, like, people are saying they hate him. But I agree with what you're saying. It's just like, stop looking at the social media because no one's going to get on social media and tell you how great you are. You know, they're only going to come at you with the negative stuff. So just put the social media away and and quit looking at it and cash your checks. You know, that's what it comes down to because I'm, I'm sure they're pretty nice ones. <laughs> Brent wants to know who gets the number one seed in the NFC. Come on, Brent. I know you're a 49ers oh, fan. That's man. who's getting it. This is what happens when you get Niners fans jumping in, right? And he started the show late, so he's not even going to hear this until the very tail end, unfortunate. The problem is the way the schedules shape up, it just – like it favors the 40, it favors the Eagles, but it favors the 49ers as well, because obviously they have the head to head against both the Cowboys and the Eagles. So if I had to guess, 49ers are going to get the number one seed, the Eagles are going to win the division, and the Cowboys will have the top wild card spot. They'll have to go to probably Tampa Bay to open up the playoffs. That's, that's what uh, I am also anticipating. Yeah, Tom, another good one. Paul Feinbaum, most polarizing. He's right up there as well. I don't know why I didn't think about him. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, so that's that's my that's my pick, unfortunately, because I think – I mean, the way – it is weird, excuse me, how different these schedules are in the month of December when you look at degree of difficulty for some yeah. teams compared to others like the eagles just got through their gauntlet and now has an easier portion and the cowboys are more so ending kind of with their gauntlets they still have the bills the lions and the dolphins before the season ends yeah yep that's right well and i just think you know that the cowboys just didn't do themselves any favors i was telling you this the other night i think the cowboys have truly been outplayed in one game and it's inexcusable they lost to arizona and it's inexcusable they lost that first game to philadelphia and it's had they won those games, even if they lost head to head to the 49ers, they're still probably in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah. Lloyd says, what's wrong with his Lions? It would help if, you know, they could take care of the ball a little bit better, I think. <laughs> that would help them quite a bit. They might find themselves in the same position that the Rams were in a couple of years ago when they made the move to send golf. To Detroit, that that could be the next move there for the Lions. Brent uh, Brent says, "How do you stop Brock Purdy?" Brent, I'm going to have to break some news to you. I don't think Brock <laughs> Purdy's a top ten quarterback in this league. Uh-oh. I think Uh-oh. he's got a Debo Samuel, he's got a Christian McCaffrey, he's got a Brandon Ayuk, he's got a George Kittle, he's got a Trent Williams. Like I can keep going down the list. It's 
he doesn't do the work. The the work the the cast around him does the work. He just he just Trent Williams said he's not a system quarterback. Like, what do you? Yeah. Also, you, you know, when Trent Williams and Debo Samuel were out, that's when they went on their like two to three game losing skid. I don't think those things are coincidental at all. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah, Debo I mean, Samuel is a yak king. Just get him the ball, and he does all the work after afterwards. No, that's true. And, I, and I've kind of always like when it when, when the system quarterback argument comes up. I've always thought that every quarterback is is ultimately In a product sense, of yeah. their system, both good and bad. You know, like you have a good system, you're you're probably going to be a pretty good quarterback. You have a bad system, it's going to go the other way into the supporting cast. As well, when you've got guys around you, that changes things quite a bit. You know, like this is really the first time Jalen Hurts, like the, the the this little stretch that he's in right now. This is this is the, the you know the first time he's had to really go through any turmoil of his own. And you know, a big part of that is teams the last couple of games have figured out a way to kind of put the clamps down on AJ Brown. How are they going to respond to that? How are they going to, you know, like they put some, the Cowboys put some pressure. I love that Gilmore matchup. All yeah. The Cowboys put some pressure on, on Jalen Hurts. Like he hasn't seen pressure before. That affected him quite a bit. They weren't able to just do their tush push thing all the time. That affected him quite a bit, you know? So how are they going to respond? Hey, I'm, I'm actually, you know, with this, with this Italian up there in, in New York, DeVito, like I'm actually... <laughs> They played some close games against both the Eagle or against the uh, the Commanders and the Giants, if I remember right, the first yes, time they, they played. So, just not uh, the Cowboys. I don't think you can write either one of those off. At least I hope not. Anyway, all right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Appreciate you joining us once again this evening, talking about the big Riley Leonard news and all that comes with it. We will, uh, I'm sure, have much more coming on are coming up over the course of this week to talk about because there's a lot more news that we're kind of expecting is, you know, going to continue to be announced as this week goes on. So we'll have it for you. Jess, appreciate you as well coming on at the end of a busy day doing your own work. So uh, I do what I can. I was only like five minutes late. So I hope, I hope it wasn't held against yep. me and we got to appreciate Vince for being on short notice. Yep. Thanks to Vince for jumping in for a little bit as well, even if he had to yell at the kids in the meantime. <laughs> DK, I will see you at Collision Bend, question mark, tomorrow, question mark. You missed it, but that's like a brewery like 10 minutes from my house, not even, like 5, 10 minutes. And he said he's going to be there tomorrow, and there's drinks free if yep. I decide to show up. Yep. Michael has thrown this uh, RJ Oban crystal ball in there a couple times. Yeah, you're right. He's got a crystal ball. Uh, from 24-7, and um, Riley Leonard had a crystal ball over the weekend from 24-7, I think, as well, and that worked out. So we'll see what happens with RJ Open, the Duke defensive end. Hit the like button on your way out, and, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate it on your podcast platforms. Thanks, everyone, for being here tonight for all the great stuff. We will talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.